Hi, this is Yolanda. I'm sharing with you the memoirs of President Joseph Smith III, 1832-1914. And we're um, in chapter 45, entitled Revelations, and we're on page 467. And this subheading is 1882. Thank you for joining me. Enjoy. Some nine years elapsed before the next revelation was received during which time some uneasiness concerning the still uncompleted quorums had again developed. There arose also the question as to whether or not the reorganised church was authorised or expected to occupy the grounds of foreign missionary work which had been opened during the days of Joseph and Hiram Smith. Various opinions were held in regard to this matter and they were agitated to quite an extent. I presented the problem to the Lord and the answer coming by the Spirit of Revelation on September the 28th, 1882, declared it was inexpedient to prosecute many foreign missions until a more perfect organisation was made. The revelation also contained quite a remarkable statement, emphasising the fact that when the priesthood is conferred upon anyone who is called the ordination places a responsibility upon him for which he must answer directly to blah, 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 for which he must answer directly to God. Sorry for me tripping over my words there. No matter what the individual might do or however much he might offer excuse in extenuation for his lack of diligence in labour or for his light treatment of that ordination, he must under all circumstances make final report and accountability before God. In this respect, the gift of God is indeed without repentance, and no one accepting this responsibility is exempt from the accounting. This revelation was presented to the church at the full conference, rather an unusual procedure, but as it afterwards appeared, Existing conditions presented difficulties which could, could not well have been adjusted without the divine word. One of these conditions had occurred in the northern Illinois district where a serious disturbance had arisen over a subject of legitimate jurisdiction. Quite a division and contention had ensued in which several of the leading brethren were involved. One consequence of the, of the conference was that an underlying reason for the trouble which had arisen was discovered. The personal defection through immoral conduct of a leading 70 who, under fancied security, had defied the ruling of the minister in charge. The action of this latter official was vindicated by the discovery of evidence that convinced the erring elder. The elder was deprived of his office and the fact of his conviction aided in the pacification and adjustment of difficulty in that district. It is permissible for me to note these facts without mentioning the names of the elder. He was one with whom I had been quite intimate and whom I greatly loved and esteemed. I was greatly hurt in spirit by his defection for having placed him very highly in my regard. I was extraordinarily loath to believe he had been guilty as charged. 
My hurt was the more grievous as I recalled the times I had stood with him in places of difficulty when strong measures in church discipline had been required during which trial he had not been found wanting. It was difficult for me to feel that my appre- that my appreciation and confidence had been thus sadly misplaced. Indeed it was, and it is easier for me to believe that my brother had been overcome in a moment of great temptation, without his having fully realised how seriously he was transgressing the law. By good behaviour, this man was afterward restored to the position of elder, but not again received among the seventies as an office, as an active officer. He has passed into the great beyond now, with only that one stain upon his character as far as I know. His case seemed to illustrate the wisdom of the statement made in the Revelation, viz. that no one should think he can escape answering to God for his priesthood. This full conference in 1882 was held in Lamoni, and it was at that time I had, in the exercise of my presiding authority, to pass through the most severe trial I had yet encountered. Indeed, it was the most serious situation in which I had been called to act, for I stood face to face against two of the most prominent and leading members of the ministry, as they openly defied me and my decisions. It was only by putting a strong suppression upon my temper that I succeeded in averting a more disastrous storm. Indeed, it seemed I should be obliged to call upon the officers of the law for the arrest of one of these brethren on the grounds of disturbing a public meeting. As he stood rebelliously in his place, refusing to take his seat when asked to do so upon the raising of a point of order. As quietly as I could speak, I asked him if he proposed to force me to the full exercise of my presiding prerogatives before he would yield obedience to the rules of the body by which we were governed. Whether or not he was affected by anything he saw in my countenance, I do not know, for I never asked him, but all at once he seemed to realise that a crisis was upon us and that I would not hesitate to act within my rights, if necessary. He took his seat, and the storm passed. It was at this conference, too, that it became necessary for me to draw a dividing line as to those who should address the assembly by privilege. A sister, who was much given to bearing testimony and prophecy, came to the conference with what she claimed was a very important message for the church, Arising, she proceeded to address the assembly. I called her attention to the fact that she was not a member of the conference body and must first secure the privilege of speaking. She demanded to be heard, not as a privilege or courtesy, but as a right, and I was under the necessity of directing an officer to quietly lead her out of the assembly. The incident proved to have a salutary effect not only upon her, but upon others. This was the last full conference held by the reorganisation, for thereafter the reunions in western Iowa were substituted for the autumnal gathering of the church in a business capacity. I commend the reading of the Revelation of 1882 for the spirit it breathes, as well as for the law it expounds. It established... 
more securely the grounds of our contention against evil. I'm going to leave that there and carry on with 1887 in the next episode. Thank you for listening.